We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Thank you so much for this time that we get to gather together around your word. Speak to us. Fill us with your spirit. Teach us about the hope that we have in Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, listen, I know most of everyone tuning in right now has probably been to a funeral before. I know it's Easter. We're supposed to be talking about the resurrection, but we cannot talk about resurrection unless we deal with the reality of death. The very first funeral that I ever went to was one for my uncle. He was one of my favorite uncles. I remember going to his house. He was a man that was larger than life, Uncle Bertram. And it was when he passed, when I really encountered what death really was. I saw sorrow in my family. I saw pain. I felt the pain. I'd never seen my parents so sad. That was my father's best friend. That was my mom's closest brother. And in this moment, I was faced with a new reality as a, as a young man, knowing that life comes to an end. And then a few years later, we had to encounter the death of my nephew. He was just a young kid. He was in middle school, outside playing with his friends, went into an asthma attack, couldn't get to the hospital enough, couldn't get his rescue inhaler, and he lost his life. And in that moment, we were wondering and asking, why so young? Why did he have to go at such a young age? He had so much life ahead of him. He was such a good kid. And then most recently, I had to encounter another death, that one that hit very, very close to home. This was the passing of my brother-in-law, my sister's husband. What a devastating situation for everybody in the family. This one hurt a little deeper. This one was gut-wrenching because I've known Curtis ever since I was a kid. I grew up around him. He was like a second father to me. He taught me how to parent. He taught me how to love my wife, just like my own father taught me how to love my wife. This one hurt. This one had me asking God why. You know, it's so interesting when we encounter death, the first thing we want to do is blame God. But here's the reality. This was not the way it was supposed to be. We can't blame God for humanity's creation. Yes, humanity brought death around. God created this earth perfect. He invested in a couple of individuals and gave them the entire world to be able to uh, subdue and to take care of. And instead of following his plan, they decided to go their own way. And he told them, listen, if you go a different way, the consequences will be death. And nobody knew what death was then. But yet they decided to go their own way, go against their creator. And ever since then, this algorithm of death has been written into the fabric of this world. Each year, each day, each moment, somebody passes. We're dealing with the reality of death every which way. We see trees wither. We see grass dry. 
death is a reality of the world that we live in. But it's not supposed to be this way. This is not what God created. But I can tell you this much. God did not purpose death, but he's provided a clear pathway to life. We see in a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus encounters death. The story tells us in Luke chapter 7 verse 11, it says soon after Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man had died. Who had died was being carried, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. We see in this moment, Jesus meets a woman and a crowd on their way in this funeral procession coming from a town called Nain. It says that Jesus went to this town. It's as if he purposed to go to this town, as if it was calculated, it was intentional for him to go to this town. And as we can see, Jesus' ministry is really getting started because a considerable crowd is following him. Now uh, he's gained in popularity. People are seeing him do miracle after miracle. He's calling his disciples. He's called his disciples and everybody's waited with abated breath, just seeing the next move of Jesus Christ. This town called Nain is never mentioned again in scripture. It's so interesting that God is willing to go to the insignificant places. Jesus is willing to enter into insignificant places to do significant things. He encounters this funeral procession as they're going to the graveyards outside of the city gates. Back in those days, graveyards were outside of town. It wasn't a part of the city. It was far. They called it the land of the dead. And it said a man had died. This is very significant because it wasn't a little boy. It wasn't a child. It was a grown man. And he was the only son of a widow. This widow had encountered death before. This community had seen this woman suffer the death of her husband. And now she was suffering with the death of her only son. This was her provider. See, in a time like this, there wasn't a lot of jobs for women, especially women in this condition who had lost a husband. This was her only means of provision. So her husband, who was the provider of the home, dies. And so she's now relying on the son because the son inherits everything the father had. But at this point now, he's gone as well, too. All hope of her future was diminished. Now the only reality she had was to depend on the charity of those around her. But what happens when their pity was over? What happens when she is left alone and has to figure out things on her own and, and struggle? And the wound was fresh. 
When Jesus meets her, the wound is fresh. The woman has not really had time to grieve yet, simply because in this day and age, when somebody died, the burial was done that very day. Why? Because if the body was left in the house, it would make the house ceremonially or religiously and culturally unclean. And so there was a stigma and they needed to get the body out of the city. And so the woman has not even had time enough to deal with the reality of her son's death. She's a woman of misfortune and the whole town has gathered around her because they know that this is it for her. They come around and they show pity on her. Verse 13 tells us this. It says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Do not weep. It said the Lord saw her. And I'm so glad that the writer of this text did not use Jesus saw her. He uses the word Lord. He uses the title Lord, meaning this was God seeing her. This is a title used for the God of heaven and earth. It talks about the ownership that God has and the sovereignty that God has all tied in this title. Essentially, the writer is saying God saw her. God sees a broken woman, a sad woman in an insignificant town. He meets her in her place of pain. And it says that he had compassion on her, not pity. He had compassion. You know, I, I hate pity. Uh, sometimes I would rather... Uh, to deal with people's ignorance than deal with people's pity. Pity can be hurtful. It can be uh, not real. It can be forced and contrived. Jesus doesn't show pity on her. The Lord does not show pity on her. It says he showed compassion. And I don't know if you're an individual who's dealt with depression or not, but the worst feeling to get when you're depressed is pity from people. The worst feeling to to get or emotion to get from people when you're dealing with loss or brokenness is pity. I don't want your pity. I want your compassion. I want you to feel my pain. I want you to know what I'm going through. Jesus doesn't feel sorry for her. Jesus felt her sorrow. He feels her pain. He feels the lostness in her life. He feels her hopelessness. He feels the fear of an uncertain future. <laughs> Why does Jesus feel her sorrow? Because soon enough, Jesus would begin to walk down the same path that she did. He would feel the pain of the whips that tore his back. He would feel the pain of the crown made of thorns placed on his head. He would feel the hopelessness of lying, standing on the cross all alone with his father turning his head and his heart from him and knowing that he was in a moment where he was carrying the sins of the world and a sinful humanity cannot be attached to a holy God and for him to carry the sins of the world, he felt the pain, he felt the lostness, he felt the hopelessness. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? She felt forsaken. Jesus goes to her and he says, do not weep. 
that seems to be a very insensitive thing to say to somebody who is in a really bad situation. See, for this woman, things went from bad to worse. Jesus, that seems a little heartless. Why would you say do not weep? It seems a little insensitive. Why would you tell a woman in the middle of her pain to tell her to get over it? That's what it sure would seem like. Unless Jesus had something up his sleeve. Unless he knew something that she didn't know. We read in verse 14, after he says, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the beer. The beer was an open coffin that they used to carry the body from the point of death to the burial. It says he came up and touched the beer. And the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. He says he came up. He came up to the beer. He came towards death, just like he came down on this earth towards a sinful and broken world. Jesus is not afraid to enter the hard places. Jesus is not afraid to encounter the hard things. It says he touched this beer. He touched this open coffin. Jesus did the unthinkable. See, in a time like this, where touching a dead body or touching a dead carcass would make somebody ceremonially, religiously, and culturally unclean, Jesus did not care about cultural customs. Jesus did not care about what was unclean and what was clean. Jesus is the cleanser of everything that is messed up. Jesus was not at all concerned with religious or cultural formality. Jesus is not afraid of contamination. See, we're living in a world, living in a reality right now where everybody's afraid to be contaminated. Everybody wants to create distance. Everybody wants to stay away. But this is the same thing that religion and politics have done for so long. I can't be close to you because I'm going to be stained with your sins. I can't have you close to me because I don't want to, uh, your sinful life to rub off on me. Religion has constantly separated people. It's always been about them and us. Politics has done the exact same thing. We want to build walls of separation. We say, you can't come here because I'm going to be contaminated by who you are and what you do. But Jesus is not afraid of contamination. Jesus goes to the place that is broken. Jesus goes to the place that is dirty. Jesus goes to the place that is messed up. Jesus goes to death and he puts his hands on it because he knows that life comes through his touch. The word touched isn't a simple brush. It's not a simple tap. The word literally means he fastened his hand on the beer, so much so that it stopped the bearers in their tracks. And then he gave a command. He says, I say to you, arise. Jesus commands the young man who is dead to arise, to get up. And in verse 15, 
It says, and the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Death obeyed the voice of God. Jesus is the life giver. Even death cannot disobey the voice of God. Even at the creation of the heavens and the earth, I remember it says the earth was without form and void. There was nothing there, but God commanded something to come out of nothing. Christ can bring death to life. He brings everything that was not to be. The man sat up and began to speak. And I don't believe that he got up groggy. I don't believe that he got up in pain and feeling the sting of death. No, the man got up and his resurrection was complete. His resurrection was whole. In fact, Jesus gives him to his mother. Imagine that moment of new life that has just been given not only to the son, but also to the mother. Her face is lit up with joy. Her, her hope has finally been restored. She embraces her son in this moment. What she thought could never be has now become. And in this moment, we see this amazing story of Jesus' passion for his people. He's the life giver. Her son is not only resurrected, but now the hope and the reality of a life free from charity is finally back. Verse 16 goes on to tell us, fear seized them all. Everybody around who's looking at this take place, everybody who is wondering what Jesus was going to do has now seen the reality of Jesus' ma majesty and sovereignty and his power. It says fear seized them all and they glorified God. What took place is what takes place when people have an encounter with God. This is the natural response of everyone who has an encounter with God. There's this fear that overtakes them. This is not a fear of being afraid or being a scared or being scared. This is a fear that leads to wonder, that leads to awe, that leads to a mind blown at the spectacular nature of what we've just experienced. And it leads to worship. They begin to glorify God. They begin to give God honor and glory for the situation that just took place there in worship and I wonder why it's so hard for some of us to engage in worship why some of us look at the reality of who Jesus is so dismissively as if Jesus is just another guy as if Jesus is not the eternal ever-living, ever-loving Son of God. See, worship is the response of someone who's had an encounter with Jesus. Honor is the response of somebody who's had an encounter with Jesus. But you can't worship unless you've experienced a resurrection. Yours in his. You can't acknowledge his resurrection unless you yourself have been resurrected.
And you can't be resurrected unless you have responded to the call. And you cannot respond to the call unless you've had a personal encounter with Jesus. And I want everybody who is tuning in and listening to the sound of my voice right now. Jesus is here. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. What is your response? See, uh, the dead man accepted the call to live and he rose. The crowd stopped their journey to the land of the dead and they began worshiping God. The mother exchanged a death sentence for new life. Jesus is here. What is your response? Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. And Jesus is here. He's there in the room with you in this moment. What is your response? There's three things that I want you to take away from this. Number one, Jesus makes the first move because he knows you and I can't. Jesus always makes the first move because you and I can't. Listen, dead people can't resurrect themselves. Dead people don't even know that they're dead. Dead people can't come and make themselves uh, alive. And so Jesus has to enter the space. Jesus has to come to us because he knows that we can't. And can I tell you, there's somebody watching this right now. Jesus knew that you wouldn't show up to church this Easter. So he had to show up to your house. He had to show up on your mobile phone. He had to show up on your computer screen, on your TV screen, wherever you're encountering this. Because Jesus knew you wouldn't show up. So he took the first step and he showed up to you. Jesus knew that this would be another Easter. You would make another excuse of why you couldn't make it to church. And Jesus says, I'm not going to wait for you to come to church. I'm going to bring the church to you. Jesus always makes the first move. Number two, Jesus didn't show up to make bad people good, but to bring dead people to life. You know, there's three people in this story and there's three people watching this right now. You're either the son, the one who's dead and does not know it. Maybe you're the mourners, the individuals who are as good as dead, heading to the land of the dead, ironically, not even acknowledging the fact that this was their destiny. Maybe you're the mother, those who feel like your life is a death sentence. I want to read you a text in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, and you... We're dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead in your brokenness and your sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In verse four, it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together 
together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We were once dead in this world. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We are as good as dead. The Bible tells us the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus Christ came that we might have life and life to the full. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. Third lesson we learn. Jesus did not come to simply resurrect us, but he came to give us life. See, if the son of the widow wouldn't have died, the mother, the crowd, those that were following Jesus would have never known the power of Christ's resurrection that was available to them. Listen, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today, if the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, would not have died, we would have never had the opportunity to experience his resurrection power in our lives. Listen, we can count on this. That son would die again, but the lives of everybody who were there would always be changed. They would never be the same. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen never to die again and if you believe on him your life will never be the same Jesus is not only the resurrection but Jesus is life he doesn't just want to save us Jesus wants to preserve us on this side of heaven and eternally Jesus is here Jesus is alive he is risen what is your response. Pray that your response will be worship. It'll be fear, wonder, amazement, because this Jesus who rose from the grave, who sits next to the throne of God is the same Jesus who wants to live inside of you. Will you begin your journey into life with Jesus today. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.